Blog Talk Radio. This week on FanCast, Philly's manager, Gabe Kapler, is in the midst of a callback scandal, and our host will break down the latest to see if Kapler is in the wrong. Will the MLB write again about a breakout Philly? And are Harper and Machado ever going to sign? All this and more on Episode 6 of FanCast. Also, check out the Baseball Podcast Network website to purchase a T-shirt to show support for the podcast and our company. We are coming off a Super Bowl in which attending Rams fans paid for a Maroon 5 concert and a field goal. Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How about you, Coy? Uh, I was a bit disappointing the Super Bowl, certainly compared to last year. Definitely was. We've been spoiled a bit with the last couple of Super Bowls couple high-scoring, great comeback games. This one, a little bit of a defensive showdown. It was still entertaining in the aspect that it was close, but not nearly as good as what we have seen the past couple of seasons. Yeah, let's let's hope this week is more exciting than baseball rumors with a little bit heating up here today on the Philly, Philly's uh, hot stove. Yeah, the only thing more boring than the Super Bowl has been this MLB offseason. And however, last week, there was a little bit of movement, but not in the positive way. Phillies manager Gabe Kapler was reported to have turned away from a scandal in which two uh, Dodgers minor league players were involved in an incident with a young girl in a hotel room. Kapler was notified of the situation, and instead of turning to the proper authorities, he attempted to schedule a meeting between himself, the players involved, and the alleged victim. It has all broken out. It is back from 2015. So, Isaac, what is your thoughts and reactions to this news surrounding Kapler? Well, obviously, it's a sensitive subject, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but as this report did come out, there's truly nothing confirmed. The main basis and main argument is based off of an email that Kapler sent to the, his girl's grandparent, I believe. And so until that email is leaked or sent out to the public, I think it's really hard to tell what Kapler's intent and where Kapler really was and what he decided to do that night, uh, his decision behind taking the girl out to dinner. I don't know, Coy. Hearing Gabe Kapler, you don't want to believe this story. There are things like this that go on, but until until evidence is really put on the table, I don't think this this report, it, not that it doesn't mean much, but I don't think it should be considered, I don't think it should be taken as seriously until that point. Well, well, Kapler put out a statement earlier this week, and he claimed that the two Dodgers players and two other women went to a hotel room in which they met the alleged victim. The girl was intoxicated, passed passed out, puked on a bed, and a one of the Dodgers players filmed 
that um, victim being hit and water poured on him by the other two girls. And so while Kepler claims that the Dodgers players didn't do any of the assaulting, he said based on talking to all parties that they created an environment in which this seemed okay. And so it doesn't sound like Kepler's players were the ones that did the assault, and all three parties claimed that there was no sexual involvement at all, even though that was reported this week. They said at the time no one made any charges or claims over a sexual assault. As an outside fan, not one of the Phillies, this does look bad in the aspect that Kapler tried to meet with the players and victim over going to the police. But if you're a Phillies fan, you know that this doesn't seem out of character for Kapler in the sense that he thought he himself could fix it. And I do believe in his mind he was trying to do the right thing rather than making this escalate, turn into a problem for his players. As we are in such a dangerous time and culture where any of these assaults against the players could ruin their careers, he wanted to work everything out, keep it quiet, keep within. He didn't seem like he was trying to cover anything up or hide something. I think Abe Kapler thought he was doing the right thing and it just got away from him. The girl turned down the meeting. It seems odd that it's coming out now as opposed to then. But like you said, I don't think this should be taken too heavily. I don't believe the Phillies will act on it in a matter of firing Kapler. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. However, I don't think too much else will come out. I agree. I, I think with Abe Kapler's statement earlier this week, I believe that's the end of this report. If you do recall, this report sort of came out a few months ago that he had some involvement in legal recruiting with the Dodgers. So his tenure with the Dodgers seems to be a bit flawed. Hopefully, as you said, this will be put to bed for now at least. And we can truly continue with heading heading about a week away from spring training and we can focus on baseball regarding Gabe Kapler. And hopefully the biggest news of this offseason will be him hitting it off with Bryce Harper. It does, as you bring up Bryce Harper, it does seem semi-suspicious that I believe this was put out by the Washington Post. If this is looking to diminish Kapler's character, the culture of the Phillies by saying this is the type of man they'll put as the manager, I'm not at all suggesting that it was a Washington reporter who is now putting this out to try and turn Harper away. It's just one of those weird coincidences that now four years later almost, it is now just coming out to the public eye as opposed to back when it actually occurred, when Kapler was a smaller market name and a different time set. The timing of it all just seems odd, different, as is with a lot of these situations. We hope that this girl was not harmed in any way, shape, or form, whether it be from those women or the players. We believe I personally believe that Kapler did think he was doing the right thing. And while he could have turned this over to the authorities, it didn't seem like necessary at the time. If he did, who knows how that could have unfolded for the players. If that attention would turn this woman in a different way, it seems like Kapler did a natural Kapler thing where he thought he could handle everything, settle everything out. And it just now is seeming to unfold for him. I agree, I agree. Um, Kapler is a very optimistic person. I can see him with his intentions. In my eyes, I see him just wanting to work everything out. I don't think he tried to cover anything up. I think he was trying to work things out. Uh, this definitely 
he seems the kind of guy to talk things out. Probably he knew this girl had some kind of harm done to her. Probably talked things out, made sure that nothing terrible went wrong, and moved forward with his life. And this is a little bit funny how you mentioned it was reported by the Washington Post, even though it's most likely not because of Bryce Harper being lured away from Washington. Still, still seems a bit funny. Just a coincidence of this off season, but you know, even even with this news kind of coming out, I don't think obviously it won't mean I think Bryce Harper money is the money talks as they say, and uh, Bryce Harper should sign soon, man. Most definitely, and we do hope here that this girl was not in any way seriously harmed or Gabe Kapler did cover anything up. We hope this all gets resolved and can be moved on from the Phillies' perspective. Next, we'll be segging into a new segment here on FanCast where we'll be breaking down what's real and what's not, and all the Harper and Machado speculation. So let's welcome in our producer, Benson, to hit us with the news. All right, guys, answer the question, something or nothing. Recent Bryce post loading. I personally think that is something. Bryce and um, Reese have been going back and forth on Twitter and Instagram all off-season. They've liking each other's photos, following, retweets. It seems like they're hitting it off. Reese has talked to Bryce about joining the Phillies. This just seems like an interesting coincidence that Harper would post the exact same phrase as Reese had earlier. I don't necessarily think they're trying to send us a direct message, but I definitely think there is something in that chemistry. I I agree. I think they have the same kind of mindset. I said it's just a funny coincidence. It certainly doesn't mean anything too big. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, recent, Bryson, Bryson Reese certainly seems to have something common already. All right, next question, Benson. Judge offering to switch positions. Is that something or nothing? Uh, this is nothing. Uh, the reason I say this is if you watch the whole clip that was taped by TMZ, they kind of bombarded Judge with questions about Harper and Machado, and said, if you two both are right fielders, uh, which one of you is going to move to first base? Which one of you is going to move positions? And Judge just softly said, um, I move positions if it's needed. It wasn't a – he didn't put it out there. didn't just go out into the media to declare this out of nowhere. He was kind of uh, forcefully asked questions by TMZ. So I think this is nothing. I agree it's nothing. This is – just judge sort of putting it out there in a joking sense. Brian Cashman has said repeatedly that the Yankees are out on Harper. If anything, they might swoop in and get Manny Machado, who has not yet signed. I don't see them as any real concern in the Bryce Harper sweet stakes. What's next, Benson? Bryce takes Washington, D.C. out as Twitter location. Is that something or nothing? I think that might be something in the sense that it's becoming more likely that he will not be returning to the Nationals. However, Bryce has trolled all offseason on Twitter, commenting on all the MLB The Show, which he has to cover athletes, posts of simulations of where he could end up. So I don't really think it's anything in the sense that a deal might be done. I could see it as something, just another way of him trying to troll the fans and all the reporters who are speculating every little move as to where he might sign. 
I agree. I think this is something. It definitely is something. As much as it, how easy it is to comment on Twitter, changing your location actually takes a, I don't know, a bit of determination to actually do that. I don't see any real reason other than him not wanting to return to D.C. that he would do this. I mean, it just it wouldn't have meant anything if he kept it the same way. But since he took it out, I think, do think it is something. Next question, Ben. Uh, this will be the last one. Is it something or nothing? The recent Padres rumors. Uh, this is nothing. Uh, the reason I say this is because the Padres in recent years have tied up their money in different situations. Last year with Eric. Diminished to the Phillies are out of the running for both these players, which is not going to happen. Uh, these Padre rumors are nothing, in my opinion. I think in the aspect of Bryce Harper, they are nothing. However, I could see Manny Machado being an interesting fit in San Diego. Uh, their shortstop, former Phillies shortstop, Freddie Galvez, left them to head to Toronto. I could see them Machado being an interesting fit in San Diego. I think it would work well for him. Uh, it is reported that he does want to come out east, so I think that his personal preference will lead him away. I do think it, San Diego would be a better fit for Machado as opposed to Harper, so I will agree this is nothing. So now let's head into a network advertisement, but feel free to call in to the Baseball Podcast Network here at FanCast at 845-277-9345. Hey, everybody. Tune in this Wednesday at 6 o'clock to Pinstripe Talk. We break down everything going down in Yankee land that you, the fans, want to hear. We talk about position battles in spring training, who's going to play first base. We talk about sophomore seasons for Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres. We talk about how the rest of the American League East stacks up to the powerhouse Yankees. And we discuss all about the rest of the team, what they need to do to prepare for spring training, as well as free agency, and if the Yankees need to sign any other starting pitchers, relief pitchers, or any other position players in general. Please listen in this Wednesday at 6 to Pinstripe Talk. See you there. So this week, MLB came out and posted a little thing saying, which uh, dark horse Cy Young candidate could you see winning next year? It seems like nothing at all, just a little way to keep fans entertained in a very dry offseason. However, last year it was put out, and Aaron Nola was a potential candidate. Long before Nola's stardom, he was a two- or three-caliber-looking guy. And then last year, obviously, he took off, finished third in Cy Young voting, so it seems like they've been right before this year featuring Phillies pitcher Nick Pavetta on the list, including a few others from the AL and NL. So, Isaac, do you think Pavetta has the potential to break out as a Cy Young candidate? And if not, what other Philly could? I'm all in. I'm all in on Nick Pavetta. And I'll tell you why. The, the reason why people have predicted Cy Young candidates before is because of the stats that Nick Pavetta is putting up. That he has the same kind of stats that 
really enable you to be able to predict these high-caliber type players. And here are the stats that really enable that. So his strikeout per nine inning rate, 10.3. 10.3 strikeouts per nine inning, Corey. That's a lot. And then that's the 2.8 walks per inning. That is a great ratio right there. More than 10 to less than three. That right there, folks, that, that's, that's, about, that's about on par with a lot of higher-tier MLB players, let alone let alone a dark horse candidate. Uh, the problem is, his problem has always been pitching, not throwing. If you know what I mean by that, it's that he doesn't really have the best, best location selection. He needs to get better at that. He needs to get better at timing, as Aaron Nola did last season. He had a 4.77 ERA last year. He definitely can improve that. He can. I, I, I truly think he could become a workhorse for the Phillies. A lot of people have given up on him, and a lot of people on Phillies Twitter are all in on the Nick Pavetta hype train, and I'm one of them. I think Nick Pavetta could become our number two or three this year. And, yes, two or three. I think he can make the jump over Jake Arrieta. His stuff is amazing. He has the potential to become a top-tier pitcher in this league. I believe in Nick Pavetta. How about you, Corey? I am not as out on Nick Pavetta as some other Phillies viewers, fans, reporters are. I think he does have potential. I don't see him as high as a two guy. Three, four might be where he fits for the next couple of years. I definitely think he'll be a quality starter. I'm not sure he has Cy Young potential just yet based off what we've seen. The guy I think could break out for the Phillies is Zach Eflin. He did, his stats don't look too flattering if you just look at the raw 11 and 8, 436 ERA, 1.3 whip. However, if you look to, back to June, he had a dominating five-game stretch going 5-0, and a 176 ERA, a whip below one. His strikeout rating was much higher than what it was the rest of the year. And he started off the first half of the season great, 7-2, and ERA just above three. He was looking like a great piece in the Phillies rotation and was a key part to their apparent playoff push. And then as the rest of the Phillies fell off in the second half, he did as well. He had a little bit of a down spur. He, like Pavetta and many of the other guys in the Phillies rotation, is young. I think we have yet to see his best. He has a arsenal of pitches that I think could evolve well and age well as he grows and strengthens. I think that he will, in time, once Jake Arrieta and possibly Dallas Keuchel move on from the Phillies, he will emerge in as the two guy and will be a great one-two punch with Aaron Nola and hopefully a great trio, including Pavetta. Yeah, that certainly sounds like a possibility, Coy. Now, as we have our first caller today, we'll bring in Luke, who wants to talk about Harper. Hello? Hi, Luke. How are hey, you? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was listening to my, my, uh, my, parent, my parents talking and I didn't realize okay, that okay. you guys called me. I'm sorry. Go, um, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm just kind of getting sick and tired. And um, I have this little theory, and I'm going to ask you guys if you agree with this, but I think that Boris is disappointed with the lack of suitors, and I think that he's trying to, to uh, leak stuff out to try to scare the, the Phillies and up their offer. Do you agree with that? So wait, let me get this clear. You you think the Boris is disappointed in the market? Sorry, I couldn't hear you quite well. Um, yeah, my there we go. Um, my what I said was is that I think that he's disappointed with the lack of suitors and on him. I think he's trying to 
um, uh, okay. leak false right. information. Do you agree with that? Um, I do to a sense. I, it's obviously not just smoke that he met with the Padres. Um, Forrest definitely has to explore all opportunities. He owes that to Harper to meet with the Padres and meet with any teams that could possibly offer him a contract. I do believe it's becoming frustrating for Boris because he, he saw this last with the Red Sox where they made him play the waiting game, and he truly didn't get any better off than the five-year, $110 million deal that they offered. So it looks like mm-hmm. Boris and Harper could be heading for the same end-game scenario that happened last year with J.D. Martinez and the Red Sox. And, yes, I think Boris is trying to create smoke, but it's, it's not all smoke. So don't not believe every report. I mean, there are going to be other teams that are in on them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Oh, I agree with you. Um, and I, I know how you feel about this, Focus, but um, <laughs> um, yesterday Jim Bowden came out and said that um, – I totally disagree with this. So he said that Harper – um, the Machado should sign a one-year deal, and I think that's just that is a stupid statement. What do you think about that? As a Phillies fan, I certainly hope that is not what would happen. For Machado, I don't think it's likely at all. He is coming off a career season, one of his best, so his market is as as high of a peak as it ever will be. Early on in the off season, I thought it was a smart move, possibly for Harper, who had a low season and his caliber of skill, I thought that it was something that would not happen from Boris's perspective. He had such a high belief in Harper. He thought he could strike this mega deal. And the Nationals offered him that 10-year, $300 million deal right off the bat. And I think that sort of shifted the mindset in their Harper and Boris's heads that, well, if they're willing to give us this, other teams will be as well. We'll go and test it around. And that sort of eliminated any thought process behind a one-year deal. So I don't think it will happen. I thought it was a good idea at the time. But as this offseason has moved along, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, another thing is, is you know, what if he gets hurt? And, and um, you know, what's – like, obviously, I hope this would never happen. What's he, like, breaks his back or something? Like, like that would – and, like, he loses hundreds of millions of dollars that he could have gotten – um, I don't think that's a very smart move. Um, another thing I want to discuss um, is if you, if you look at the – I know you guys were talking about this earlier, but like, if you look at the Padres' so, financial situation, um, like they – do they even have like enough money to 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 bring in, like a guy like that in? They do. They definitely do. And, and the problem is it's hard to see them with this this type of mindset again. Because if you remember a few years ago, they brought in Melvin Upton Jr., Craig Kimbrell, James Shields, players like that. And, you know, it's hard to see the, the Padres' ownership not committing to the rebuild for just one more year. Because I feel like one more year, the Padres could be truly competitive. And, you know, I, I don't think that they'll acquire Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. But uh, it was good to talk about the possibility. Thanks for calling, Luke. No problem. Thank you. So thank you, Luke, for calling into the show. Feel free to call in here at 845-277-9345. As we were touching on earlier, Philly's potential breakout pitchers. Let's switch it over to Isaac. What potential offensive players do you think the Phillies could have heading into 2019? Well, we saw the signing of backup catcher Drew Batera today, 
I'm not saying he'll have a breakout season behind the plate, but I predict another catcher, whether it's in Miami or Philadelphia. I think Jorge Alfaro will, will probably be the breakout player of the year. This isn't as bold a take as I could as I could go, um, but I do believe that um, Jorge Alfaro will take the next step forward. His chase rate and his strikeout rate were some of the worst in the major leagues. He certainly can improve on that. And if you watch the Phillies and you know how swings work, you can see that if he becomes a little bit less aggressive, that he is strong enough to truly have 25 home run seasons. He is he's that strong where he doesn't need to swing half as hard as he did this year to hit the ball out of the ballpark. His swing is so pure and so smooth that a simple bat through the zone is able to hit it out of the ballpark. You hear about launch angle all the time, and his, his swing has a natural, beautiful launch angle. So, uh, Coy, who do you think is the offensive breakout player of the year for the Phillies in 2019? I'm a little jealous you took mine in, Elo. So I think that he couldn't agree with you more. He has great offensive potential. He's already shown off a cannon behind the plate. So I definitely think he will have a much better 2019 campaign. And I think that the major player who will take a big leap as opposed to 2018 will be Scott Kingery. Kapler has already said, that Kingery, he thinks, will be the Phillies' most improved player. We saw Kingery have that great spring training that got him called up to the majors and even signed an MLB deal before he had even played a game. He had a okay start and then just fell down. He led the league in 0-2 counts. It was a major issue for him, a ton of strikeouts. He had to play a utility role in the field, which is hard in the batting aspect that you also have to pay a lot of your time to being able to master each position when you're being thrown around on a day-to-day basis. I think that could have a little effect on his mindset. It wasn't the rookie campaign that Phillies fans were hoping for from Kingery, but I think in a more condensed role, knowing what he will have heading into 2019, second year seeing major league pitching, I think he will take a step forward. I don't think by any means this will be a 300 20 homer season, but I think it'll be a step forward in a process to what will become a very good Phillies player. I agree. I don't think he could take another step backwards. <laughs> uh, last year, it seemed like it, like he was going to strike out every time he came up to the plate. His swing just looked off. He wasn't anything like the Phillies expected, especially hearing all the hype coming out of spring training. It seemed like every time the Phillies needed a hit, Scott Kingery was up, and he did not deliver. So, with that, uh, let's head to the bullpen now, Coy. Uh, who do you think is the breakout player of the year in the bullpen? As we had Sir Anthony Dominguez last year come as a rookie. He had a breakout year in the closer role. Who do you think is the breakout player this year? Well, I think Sir Anthony Dominguez will take that step he had as a breakout bullpen player, a step forward to becoming one of the elite relief pitchers in the game. I think Gabe Kapler will mix him around in the sense that he won't be the bona fide closer. He won't be in that role every day. We saw last year he had issues pitching on back-to-back games. And I think in a role where he is pitched to his strength, he statistically will have a phenomenal season. He has elite stuff, a great fastball, great off-speed. He'll be able to dominate coming out of the seventh, eighth, or occasionally ninth inning with a stronger bullpen around him. Many additions. Hopefully Hector Neris is back to his 2017 form. And where that bullpen often heavily relied on Dominguez to carry some of the load, I think this year with more talent around him, he'll be used in a healthier role for him, and it will be a great season for him. I like the sound of that, Coy. My my player of the year is 
Luis Alvarez. He had an excellent season last year for the Los Angeles Angels. He is a lefty specialist. And I'm telling you, when there's, when there's a lefty up and you need someone to come in and get him out, Luis Alvarez is going to be that guy. Some, something that the Phillies have lacked for years. Um, we we originally thought that Adam Morgan maybe was the answer in that role. Uh, I don't know. I think Luis Alvarez might be the answer for now, at least, uh, for left-handed relief pitching. Who do you think is the answer is left-handed pitcher in the bullpen? I agree with Alvarez. We have, as you said, over the past couple of years, lacked left-handed capability out of the bullpen. And even in the rotation, we went through majority of last, or almost the entirety of last season without a left-handed pitcher. Still lacking one now. However, that could change based on if Dallas Keuchel signs. So I think a dominant lefty in the bullpen is exactly what we need to create that versatility that will help both sides of the pitching rotation and bullpen. Feel free to call in at 845-277-9345, and let's head to our network advertisement. Hey, everybody. Make sure to tune into the next episode of um, the Amazing Mets podcast. Um, we will be having it on Thursday at 7 p.m. as per usual. Um, we likely will have a relief pitcher, newly signed relief pitcher, Justin Wilson, on the show, but I cannot confirm that at this point. But we're trying to get that done. We will also talk about um, the Mets' continued pursuit, uh, late off-season pursuit of Gio Gonzalez, <clears throat> how that would impact the rotation, the current situation in the rotation, what to expect from Jason Vargas in the, in the next season, and we are going to have many other things to talk about with the Mets. Please make sure to tune in. You won't regret it. Thanks again. So while Harper and Machado have been the highlight of the MLB 2018-2019 offseason, where they will sign has been highly questioned. And the other big spotlight has been put on Marlins catcher J.T. Romito. It has been highly speculated where he will fall, whether it be in Cincinnati, Los Angeles, or Cincinnati, who has made a ton of deals this offseason. It was now reported today that the Phillies have touched base with the Marlins, a division rival, about their all-star catcher. J.T. is coming off a 277, 344, 84 year, 21 homers, 74 RBIs, he is a great catcher in a league that is lacking catching talent that would likely push back on Alfaro. So, Isaac, what are your thoughts on trading potentially for J.T. Romuto? Well, I'll tell you what it would mean to trade for J.T. Romuto. He, he presents a clear path to division championships. He's a win-now option. Even though his asking price is quite steep, he would transform the Phillies into an elite lineup uh, right away. And he it seems that rumors have come out today that the Marlins have started to like the Phillies' prospects more. These prospects most likely include either Sixto Sanchez or Donis Medina, um, Nick Williams, and Jorge Alfaro, uh, perhaps shortstop uh, prospect Luis Garcia. And I'll tell you why Nick Williams is most likely to be traded in this deal. Nick Williams is a Scott Boris client as well, as uh, Bryce Harper is. And I think Nick Williams could be in trade talks to get him more bats in a daily, in a daily routine because 
as it stands right now, if the Phillies do acquire Bryce Harper, Nick Williams is going to be coming off the bench, and I don't see a situation where he gets many many starting many starting chances from the Phillies lineup. So, uh, who do you think we would need to give up, and who would you want to give up for JT Real Muto, possibly the best starting catcher in baseball right now? Well, I personally would not want the Phillies to trade for JT Real Muto. I still have a ton of faith faith in Jorge Alfaro. I was a bit confused by the move last year for Wilson Ramos at the trade deadline while it did work out. It also stunted back on Jorge Alfaro, who didn't have a great season, but it was still very good for a young rookie catcher. Been just above 250, not a ton of homers, but if you remember that Dodgers game where he provided a clutch 3-1 homer, he did seem to come out, come up in certain moments. I think he has a ton of talent and can develop into a superstar catcher. And I think spending and sending a ton of prospects and players over to Miami for Remuto wouldn't be as big as an upgrade as if they were shipped out to Cleveland or San Francisco for starting pitching help, which the move from Bumgarner or Kluber to one of our starting pitchers is a higher upgrade than Alfaro to Remuto, who I think Alfaro will develop and can establish himself as a top five catcher in baseball. So I didn't love the news that the Phillies are looking into this and that the Miami Marlins are equally intrigued. I hope he doesn't end up in Atlanta. I think adding him just for the sake of stopping them from getting him could be a smart move. But I think if he ends up in Los Angeles or Cincinnati, it'd be better for the Phillies saving up those um, prospects and players for – the deadline when they hopefully will need to add pitching help for a 2019 playoff push. You see, I think, I think the Phillies should trade for JT Real Muto. I don't think he's that much of a step above the rest of the competition, but he, he provides speed and speed is something we lack. Um, he also provides plate discipline, which is something Jorge Faro does has none of. I think we, we don't really have, if we want to win now, and the window is to win now, I think we need to make this trade for J.T. Real Muto. And I'll tell you why we should trade Sixto Sanchez. Here's a bold take, Coy. Ready for a bold take? Sixto Sanchez is overrated. Let me tell you why. He's only played in minor A ball. He's injury prone. And he's only had one complete season that was somewhat respectable. Um, personally, I like Medina more, Adonis Medina. I mentioned him last week as one of my breakout players. I think he has a place in the rotation. And I personally haven't seen enough from Sixto Sanchez for him to be the savior to the Phillies rotation as everyone is making him out to be. Well, as you say, Ramito does look like the better. He is definitely a better player now. But in his first full season, he batted 259 with 10 homers and 47 RBIs. Numbers not that different to Alfaro, who just played his first full MLB season. I think if we let him develop, he will become a catcher with probably or possibly the potential of a JT Ramito. And as you say, this could develop into a win-now mentality in the aspect of trading for Ramito. I think that heavily relies on if the Phillies sign Bryce Harper and what other moves they make in free agency. If they do sign this big three, then yes, they are likely in a win-now stage where adding a player like Ramito will drastically help. But if they miss out on those guys and the plan is still building for an elite future, I think Jorge Alfaro, develop him for the years to come, makes more sense than sliding JT in now for an immediate upgrade. 
I agree with you. I agree with you in the sense that it truly depends on what the Phillies want to do, whether they want to wait a few years for the possibility of an elite catcher or trade for one now and have to give up prospects in, in retrospect. And in other, in other regards to off-season updates, uh, Bryce Harper, as we said, met with the Padres. Uh, there's a rumor circling around today that Manny Machado was most likely going to end up with the Dodgers. Did you see that one, Coy? I did not see that. It would surprise me if he did return to L.A. Corey Seager will be returning. They have Justin Turner at third. I thought it was a good move for them last um, trade deadline to fill in for Seager, who was unavailable due to surgery. I don't really see him fitting in. I also never saw him going to the White Sox. It just never seems like a great fit for me. They just lost 100 games last year. They have tried to sign his all of his family except maybe his mother. Uh, I did was very intrigued by San Diego's interest in him. I thought that could be a place that he could fit in. It would be great for his skills, a ballpark similar to Baltimore where in which he strived. But I still think that he could end up on the Yankees. It was reported from Heyman that he could be waiting around unless offers increase and the Yankees could slide in late. I think they have been downplayed as a potential suitor, and I think Brian Cashman, when this is all said and done, will make a sneaky move and will bring in Manny Machado. I'm going to have to differ with you there. My, As much as I once thought that Machado was destined for the Yankees, I think he's heading back to L.A. at this point. I think L.A. could maybe package Corey Seager as part of a package for J.T. Real Muto, they certainly are sick of winning, of losing, I mean, in the World Series, particularly choking in the World Series two years in a row. Um, I think that could be the right move for them. Manny Machado is obviously a better player at this point in his career than Corey Seager is. And I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. The Dodgers are willing to make moves they've shown in the past. They're willing to do the unexpected, trade for someone, trade away promising players and I don't see I, – I can see Manny Machado coming back. I can see Manny Machado coming back to Chavez Ravine to help make the World Series for a third straight year and possibly try to win it. So um, tonight we'll be uh, – let's bring back Luke to talk Manny Machado. How you doing? How you doing? Good, Luke. Good. How are you? Um, I just heard what you said about Machado. Uh, he might go back to the Dodgers. Um, I kind of find it interesting. Like you said, I guess they could package Corey Seager um, to send yeah, to what, Miami. What, um, quickly, but, what's your point? Um, my point is, um, you know, I kind of wasn't talking about with a statement the other day, and it said that as time went on, the Dodgers, you know, they just kind of didn't really like Machado. Like they – dislike them even more um, as time went on. So do you think that... Yeah. So with, right, with, yeah. I, I think this probably stemmed from the drama that uh, that, that happened with, with Machado in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think this... Again, as we, me and Coy have discussed throughout this, throughout the podcast, I don't believe it should have a big effect on, on people signing him. So... Yes, thank thank you for calling again, Luke, uh, about Machado, and so we'll talk we'll talk we'll talk again more about about Manny 
Corey thinks he's still destined for New York. I think he's destined to go back to L.A. The Phillies seem to still be interested in Machado. They do have to miss out on Bryce Harper, who seems to be their number one target, at least in the eyes of the fans and most reporters, most notably Bob Nightingale. So uh, we'll, we'll turn to uh, our, uh, our host, Benson, for, for a mailbag question. All right. First question is from Sean. Do you see Kingery as a sleeper all-star? Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say an all-star, not this year at least. I think that the second base is not – we're not sure actually where he will fit in and what his position could be. It's unsure how the Phillies will use him, likely in a utility role. And I don't think he will take a big enough jump to potentially beat out any other all-star caliber players, whether it be at second, short, third, somewhere in the outfield. So I wouldn't bet on him being an all-star this year. In the years to come, I think he will be a silver slugger, gold glove, all-star caliber player. I just don't think we're there yet. I agree. I agree. Uh, Scott Kingry, I'm not his biggest fan. Wasn't his biggest fan. Wasn't the biggest fan of giving him a six-year contract coming out of one good spring training. We've seen those kinds of seasons before, but we'll see. All right. N- next question, Benson. Uh, this question is from Kevin. Should we be scared of San Diego? As I mentioned before, no way. No way should we be scared of San Diego. I don't think the management will have the guts, so to say, to really jump in on one of these two players unless the market on Machado specifically truly just filters out to only them and possibly the White Sox. Uh, How do you feel, Coy? I don't think if our major target is Bryce Harper, I don't think we have to worry about him going to San Diego. I don't think it's very likely. I don't think it's likely that Machado will go there. As I've said, I do think he is the more intriguing candidate for them. I think they view both players as a marketing tool to draw in fans. I think the Padres will have a very bright future. They headlined the MLB pipeline top 100 prospects with 10 of the top 100. So moving forward, I think they will have a good team. I actually think they will sign Mike Moustakis, pair him back up with other former Royal, Eric Hosmer. I think they'll go that down that route instead of signing one of this year's two top free agents. All What's right, next, well, we'll take our final question, Benson. All right, last question is from Karen. If we get Romuto, will it happen before spring training? I think it will happen before spring training if we are to acquire him. I do not think that the Phillies will. I'm not sure if he will be traded to one of the other suitors before um, spring training, just in the sense that why do you have to? He has not said he will sit out or hold out. You still have him under deal moving forward. See what you have in spring training. There's no reason for the Marlins to push this deal ahead. Wait to see how the rest of your players pan out, what else you have in the organization before you send him off to one of the other potential suitors. I agree. It will happen before spring training for the Phillies if they are to acquire him. You want to build a chemistry between the starting rotation and your starting catcher. So I agree with you, Coy. Well, that'll wrap us up for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Not expected much by the next week. I don't know about you, Isaac, but make sure to tune in with all the little speculation and any little ifs and wins
should happen with Harford Machado. Thank you guys for tuning in. Take care. Go Phils. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought a ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Jetting on these, some like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose, this captain, I'm is produced by Benson Fector. FanCast is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram. Koi at Koi's Dimal. That's Z-D-I-M-A-L. And Isaac at Philly's Focus with a P-H. Be sure to give the FanCast account a follow on Instagram as well at FanCastBPM. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all those social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.